0: hope this is on, it's on. Okay, I need to get to know everybody here. This is the first time I've uh, spoken at this church. First time I've been in this building. I know uh, Susang, and I know uh, Frank, and I know uh, Joe, his wife, Esther. I've taught them. Okay, here's the question. How many of you were born within 10 miles of this church? Keep the hands up, don't be so shy, okay? How many of you were born in California? Raise your hand. This is a a very Asian raising hand, you know. Uh, Come on, raise your hand. B, B. Okay, how many of you were born in a different state? Okay. Okay, I know where Joe was raised. Uh, You three uh, gentlemen, where were you raised? Oh, nice place. Nice place. New York. City or state? City. All right. I was born in New York City, too. I lived in Queens 19 years. No, no, not 19 years. Um, 15 years. No, no, 14 years. Which part of Queens? Oh, wow. Within two miles. Wow. Did you go to John Bound High School? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that's good. We'll talk more later. Okay. Uh, what, where were you? Uh, what state were you born? Uh, out of state. Korea. Oh, way out of state. We're talking about international state, okay? Korea, Korea. okay? And is someone else born in another state? So yeah, you in the back? New York City? Are you related? No. <laughs> where in New York was it? Also Flushing? Oh, a small town in New York. Many small towns in New York. Okay, how many was born in Korea? Oh wow, uh, this uh, this that, that that that's a lot. lot. Okay. And I'm assuming everyone uh, still lives. Everyone lives here. That's what uh, gathered. Okay. Okay. I'm not Korean. I'm uh, Chinese. Uh, I was. My father uh, was the first generation in the Louis clan who came to the United States. His father um, immigrated, or my grandfather immigrated, and um, he was born in New York City. And he was a really good dancer, um, which. I don't know, you, you talk about Asians and dancing, not really that, uh, they're not the hottest, you know, we're not the hottest dancers, always, you know, whatever, you know. Even, you know, the Gangnam Style is kind of a goofy dance, you know, it's like, you know, you don't want to see it. Uh, kind of laugh about that, you know, we don't, don't want to do that, you know. My mom was born in China. When my father went back after the war to get married, uh, a picture bride. What makes it very distinct is that my parents were not raised as Christians as a matter of fact, my brother and sister were the first Christians in the whole Louis clan to accept Jesus Christ and become Christians. And that was a very, very interesting thing because my parents were pagans. We used to go to, we would offer sacrifices, or what well, we've got, uh, meals. We didn't, we didn't actually kill animals in the end of all that, but we would offer prepared meals at home, and we would offer them to uh, like our, our ancestors. at their burial sites. Uh, the old-time Chinese did that. And so, my parents allowed uh, my brother and sister to go to church, even though they weren't Christians, because they wanted them to go to a place that they were safe. But the Chinese people, like a lot of Asians, they don't want the kids to hang around the wrong people. You know, that's the word, that's the nightmare. hang around the wrong people. Don't want to hang around the wrong people, you know? I remember when I was, uh, uh, Joe was uh, showing me about the youth uh, worship, I, said, I asked him a question, are they generally good kids? And he said, yeah. I said, yeah, because Asians don't want their kids hanging around good, bad people. Good kids is good, you see, good kids. So they, they allowed my uh, brothers and sisters to go to church because it's a safe environment. So they allowed me to go to church, safe environment. As long as you don't get too serious about it, it's a safe environment, you know, better than being a gang member, you know, go to church better than being a gang member. And lo and behold, my brothers and sisters took it very seriously, and I did too. It was interesting, that church that I grew up in, very interesting. Uh, it was a, a, a sort of a missions church in Chinatown, New York, and it was kind of like this one, but like, like one-tenth the size, you know multilingual, bilingual, you know, we had a, like the the, the, the foreign-speaking uh, congregation, then the English-speaking congregation, you got youth group, you know. And I remember w- w- what the teachers, the Sunday school teachers, always wanted me to, to know. One, that you know the Bible stories. It was very, very important to know the Bible stories. So back then, we had this stuff called flannel graph. It was like little like pictures. It was very low-tech. This was before computers, before anything, before TV, you know. That was black and white. That was black and white TV, you know. These little pictures, they look at like, oh, here's Jesus, you know, stick him on the board. He was walking around, you know, maybe eat some food or something, you know. Oh, here's disciples walking around, you know. Oh, here's the bad Romans, you know. Oh, okay, okay, you know, you know, they're like fighting or something. You know? And so we had this stuff, and it's all about knowing the stories, knowing the stories, being good, because you don't want to be bad. Oh, <laughs> Chinese, we don't want to be bad, man. You know, know the stories, and then there has to be a time when you accept Jesus as Savior, You say a prayer. I said a prayer when I was in the second grade. So I was good to go. Know the stories, said the prayer, don't do bad things, good to go. That's what the whole that the Chinese uh, Christian experience was about. It's built upon those principles, you see. I was seven years old and I'm much older now. Uh, I won't tell you how old, but if you ask me, I'll tell you how old I am. And I've come to realize that the Christian experience is much deeper than that. And the whole purpose of why Jesus came is much deeper than that. And it's my passion to share what that story means because it's taken me decades to fully understand the extent and the fullness and the greatness of, of, of what Jesus has done for me and what my faith is all about. Because it's stories about Christ are good, but there's something beyond the stories and to the purpose of those stories. So, if you have your Bible, turn with me. I'm going to uh, check the time. They were telling me that uh, your pastor, Susan goes long, you know. Uh, you're in for a lucky day here, you know. You're going to be in time to watch the football game, you know, because I, I tend, well, uh, I'll go as long as I want, okay, but I won't go as long as, as Susan. Okay, Mark chapter 1, I'm going to read the first five verses, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, let's just stop right there. Now, <clears throat> I love preaching Mark 1 around Christmas time. You say, why do you love preaching Mark 1 around Christmas time? Because it's like the twist, you know? Everyone's expecting a sermon about the manger, you know? How dirty and grungy it is, you know. And I was a pastor a long time. You yeah, have all these different Christmas stories. Oh, Christmas from Mary's perspective. Oh, the 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 Christmas from the shepherds' perspective. Oh, no, no, no. The Christmas from the Magi perspective. No, no, no. Christmas from Herod's perspective. No, 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 no. No Christmas from uh, 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 you know fr- uh, 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 from from the sheep's perspective. You know, all oh, like like all of this. Like, and so. It was really hard because how many, it's like, oh boy, I was pastor for 25 years. How many of these things do you recycle? And so when you talk about Mark, though, the strange thing is there's no baby Jesus in Mark. There's nothing. As a matter of fact, the first mention of Jesus occurs in verse 9 in his baptism. He's about 30 years old. Where's the, okay, how can I give a message about Christmas without the manger, you know? Why is Mark not including that? Now it's not that the baby Jesus is not important. You want the baby Jesus, you know? If there was no baby Jesus, the economy of the world would sink terribly because people would not buy the goods at Best Buy, you know, or Amazon, you know? You need the baby Jesus and baby Jesus, if you want the baby Jesus, you look for Matthew and Luke. The reason why baby Jesus in Matthew <clears throat> is because Matthew wants to trace the lineage of Jesus through, the, uh, the, uh, through David. We, we got a line through David, you know, so that he is a royal descendant, you see. Luke has the baby Jesus because Luke is the most complete of all the Gospels. He did the most research. You know, you want to write a dissertation, that's Luke. You know, he's, he's finally getting all the sources, footnoting, everything, you know but two gospels don't have the baby Jesus. John doesn't have the baby Jesus because John's purpose is to begin by saying that Jesus is God. And in the beginning, he was with God. In the beginning, he was God and he created all things. So he doesn't want to put the baby Jesus. Not that Jesus is not human. Jesus is fully human. But John's purpose is that he's God. He doesn't want to talk about the baby Jesus. So why doesn't Mark have the baby Jesus? Well, Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And because it's the shortest, Mark gets to the point of the importance of Jesus. And I'm not saying that the birth of Jesus is not important, but when you come to Mark, he's not going to deal necessarily with just the facts of the life of Jesus. But in the selection of the stories, Mark is going to give you the reason why Jesus came. It's not the manger Jesus, you know. Everyone loves the baby Jesus, you know. It's the man Jesus. What does the man Jesus do? What does the man Jesus accomplish? What's the whole purpose of it? And when you study it, you realize the stories and the narratives and the history is very, very good. But unless you understand the reason why and how everything's connected, you miss out on the depth and really are what I would consider the foundational elements to really begin to love who Christ is. Okay, so that's, that's the introduction, you know. I'll, I'll always tell you how much time I have left, you know. Uh, okay, let's go back into verse 2 and 3. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet... Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now, what we have is that Mark begins with the reference to this passage. It appears like one passage from the prophet Isaiah. But as you study it, you realize that it's two passages in the Old Testament brought together. What passages are they? The two passages I want you to have in your mind is Isaiah chapter 40 and Malachi chapter 3. Because as you read the context, oh, I'm like popping on this, you know. I'm going to put this lower, okay? As you look at the context, you're going to realize the greater purpose. So let's look at that first one, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 to 5. Comfort, O comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received the Lord's hand double of all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness and make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now this is really amazing because all that is sort of referred to in Mark, is is chapter 40, verse 3. But when you add the two verses that precede it and the two verses that follow after, you get the reason why it is important for John to prepare the way of the Lord. Because in verse 2, he says that her iniquity has been removed very very interesting that for the mind of mark going through the mind of isaiah the purpose of jesus is coming isn't just to have like you know christmas and you know the stories of christmas and you know, the manger and the sheep and the magi and herod and all that but to know the reason why jesus came and in isaiah 40 verse 2 the one of the main reasons why is to fulfill that promise that one day Iniquity would be removed. Hmm. Now, that's just the verses that precede verse 3. The two verses that follow, I'm going to verse 5, is very interesting. I'll read that again in Isaiah chapter 40, verse (coughs) (coughs) 5. Excuse me, I got sometimes a cough. It's my third week of a cold. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, and the mouth of the Lord has spoken it is not only to deal with sin, it is to reveal the glory of God that all people, Israel, have been waiting to see. Now, the glory of God is a major topic in the Old Testament, and the glory of God is usually seen either in the fantastic manifestation of God, either in a miracle, like, you know, dividing the Red Sea so the Hebrews can cross uh, and escape the Egyptians, or it could be seen in the, the pillar of fire as the Hebrews were in the wilderness, but mo- mostly it could be seen in the temple and the glory of God that comes upon the temple, called the Shekinah glory, that uh, filled the temple. Okay, It was visual. The glory of God in the Old Testament was visual. You could see it. You could touch it. Well, you can't really touch it because you touch you're dead, okay? You could see it, okay? You could see it, not touch it. You're dead but it was before your eyes. And for some reason, this prophet Isaiah says, when this person comes, both of these things of your sin and the glory of God will be combined in that event. Now, the quote of Mark in 1, verse 2 and 3 is a reference to Isaiah 40, but it's also a reference to Malachi chapter 3. The writer brings the two together, Malachi being the last book of the Old Testament. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4. Verse 1, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. So that's the reference, okay? And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? and who can stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap and he will sit as a smelter and purify of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing in the Lord to the Lord in the days of old as in the former years now This is a really wild prophecy here. Because if verse 1 is being fulfilled all the way down to verse 4, then Mark is giving us a big tell in terms of what this whole purpose of Jesus is, why he's coming. It's not that you know the stories of the baby Jesus. It's that you understand why he's coming. From Isaiah's perspective, he's going to deal with sin, and he's going to reveal the glory of God. From Malachi's perspective, it's something very, very different, but it's not different in terms of like totally off. It's like it's different from a different perspective. From Malachi's perspective, Jesus is coming and he's saying, Oh, you know, I, I was going to the OMG, you know, oh my God, who can stand this guy coming, you know? Everyone head for the hills. No one can stand Jesus' presence, you know, because, you know, you know you, 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 you're going to all hide. Who can endure the day of his coming? That is the question he asks. You both want him, as in Isaiah 40, but in Malachi, the one you want will be the one in some way cannot stand you. How does that work out? This is really weird. Who can stand no one can stand. Who can endure the day of his coming? No one can endure the day of his coming. For he is like refiner's fire and fuller soap, and he will sit in a smelter and purify of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. He says, no one stands unless this person whom you seek purifies you. That's what the text says. No one stands. Accept this person that you want, who cannot stand you, purifies you like silver and gold. And then it's not just the purification at the end of three, so that you may present to the Lord offerings and righteousness, then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. So that it's a process, it's a purification, because you can't stand. And in that purification, you will be transformed to an individual who finally presents to God that which God had always desired from the earliest days of of Abraham, Noah. What God had always attended. It's very interesting when you study The context of these prophecies of Old Testament that are referred to in the New, they really enlighten you. See it's one thing to understand the stories of Jesus. It's another thing to understand the underlying themes that the story of Jesus reveal. Yeah, Jesus is born. The question I ask is why is he born? You know why he was born? To fulfill Isaiah and Malachi. And you know what they say and what they said. To forgive your transgressions and to reveal the glory of God. And who can stand the glory of God so he will purify you and allow you to be a people to offer to God that which he had always desired from the days of old. Wow. Here I was, it's a seven-year-old, learning all the Bible stories. This, what I call theological gospel, which undergirds the stories, is magnificent because it is talking about how Jesus Christ is going to come and change and interact and deal with us, every one of us who believe in him. And it's not just in a way to understand the stories of Christ. It is in a way that you really understand how he has dealt with the innermost corruption and imperfection in you so that you can be transformed into a being that you have never known before. It is not a story of knowing the facts of Jesus and by saying a prayer and by being a good boy because you don't want to be a gang member. Oh, no, 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 no. It's much broader than that. Because within <coughs> the introductory verses of Mark is revealed the whole purpose of the gospel and the good news of why Jesus is to come. Well, we must continue. We continue with verse 4, and we will go to verse 8. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, there are many themes weaved in Mark 1. I want you to make special notice that repetition of sin, forgiveness of sin, repentance, and confessing of sins. That was the purpose of John's baptism, and Mark makes it very clear because he will reiterate it in two verses, four and five. Verse six, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was preaching and saying, after me, one is coming who is mightier than I that I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's really interesting, and we will go back to these verses as the message goes on, is that this John is asked this question about the one, uh, well, you know, he's preaching that the one who is coming is mightier than he. And the thing that John uses to support the fact that Jesus is mightier than he is the fact that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And in my mind, that's very odd. Because I would have said, he's mightier than I because, look, I can't, I can't make that blind see. Try to. I myself wear glasses. I cannot do that on myself. (laughs) Jesus can do that. Jesus touched me. I don't need glasses. i have have 2015 vision. 2010. You know, don't need it. Just touch it, you know. Throw away those glasses, you know. Jesus is mightier than I because he casts out demons. We can't. I get scared at some those horror movies. Don't want to watch them, you know. Jesus does. Jesus not only can watch them. He can make the demon into the good person, you know. He could do all that. You know why Jesus is better? Because he's perfect. You know why Jesus is better than mine? Because he he will give the world of sins. You know why Jesus is better than I? He's the son of God. I'm just human. He could have said all these things, and they'll all be correct. The thing that John says he is mightier than I is something that takes everyone off guard because he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's referring to already the fulfillment of this Quote in Acts chapter two, outside of the gospel that, that, will be when, that will occur when Jesus is ascended on high. You know why it's important? Because John begins with the forgiveness of sins and the confession of sins. And he points, you really wanna know where the jackpot is. It is when the spirit is bestowed upon all mankind you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will be powered on high and it is a continuum from forgiveness into a transformation. The center of the gospel is the cross and the resurrection. It is the catalyst in which all the major themes of scripture revolve upon. You must always not be ashamed to proclaim the cross because it is a folly to people who are perishing. But you are also always to remember that the benefit of the cross is the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the receiving of the Holy Spirit is to empower and to transform each and every one of us who believe in the inner self. That we would be different. That we would not just be people who say a sinner's prayer and just do exactly what we wanted to do and always have been doing in our lives but in John's words, that we would understand the full gospel of Jesus Christ from the very center of his crucifixion and resurrection to the what follows after that and the transformation that is from on high of what he will do for us. Too often, I'm from an Asian culture, and... Um, there are certain of the Asian cultures that are very success-oriented and success-driven, and we view our worth either by education, wealth, occupation. Okay, I mean that's that that's, that 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 probably intersects huge portions of you could be different Asian ethnicities, but you know it, that 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 pretty much you know. Covers a big piece of the pie, you know, uh, education, wealth, um, and occupation. You see, who cares if you're a, a wide receiver, you know, on your high school team? Why'd you get in calculus? You see, who cares that you like, you know? You know, what, what, what would you do in, in life? You know, you like, you like, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you got, you made your YouTube video and you got like, a, you know, a thousand likes or something, you know? Where'd you go to college? There's a, there's a weakness. I can't say weakness. It's a strength. It's actually a very, it's a strength. But a strength is also a weakness when it comes to spiritual realms. Because in the spiritual realms, you don't realize that in the spiritual realms, the true empowerment and transformation in each and every one of us is not from yourself. It is the gift of God and the gift of the Spirit. And too often, we even see our Christian existence and our Christian service as things that we do and that we, we attain and we learn and we serve and we sacrifice, not knowing that it is the Spirit of God that empowers you and transforms you in the inner man. And many of you are young. I am 56. I'm a grandfather, and you realize in the decades that I was a Christian, almost five decades, because I came to Christ as a seven-year-old, that it took many decades to realize that it really wasn't about my agony to do more for Jesus. but to humbly realize that it was the Spirit that was trying to change me and the inner man all along. And that takes a long time to understand this truth, but this is what John is talking about, the role of the Spirit that will come, that is part of the greatness of why Jesus is going to appear to be the answer to that transformation process that the prophet Malachi predicted in chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, so that you would be able to present offerings as in the days of old that the prophets have always looked forward to, that God had wanted. Do you understand that? That believing in Jesus is not just a point in time so that you could live your life the way you want. But a belief in Jesus is a journey of transformation that as you understand what it is about will empower and transform you and you will realize something, that there is a force and power within you that is greater than even yourself. We continue. Mark chapter 1, verse 9, and we we will only go to verse 11. I preached the 13, the other sermon, but I'll go to 9, uh, 11, 9 to 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Now, you have to realize that there is a development of this John and baptism and Jesus being baptized thing. You have to understand why it is occurring the facts are easy. John comes, John baptizes forgiveness of sin, Jesus baptized, dunk him, you know, whatever. It might be sprinkle your, presby- you know, or your Reformed church, you might sprinkle, you know, whatever, you know. That's okay with me, you know. Uh, and that's just the facts. No, 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 no. Behind the facts is the reason why. When you understand the reason why, something unusual is occurring. You see, it is clear that in Mark 1, verse 4 and 5, John is baptizing for one specific purpose, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So, when people came to be baptized by John, like in verse 5, they had to come confessing their sins. Because the only purpose for John's baptism is for repentance and forgiveness of sins. You want to be baptized by John, you confess your sins. That's the way it is, baby. That's it. I don't have any other options. Jesus comes. And you don't see clearly in Mark's gospel, but in Matthew, you have this tension. John can't believe that Jesus wants to be baptized. I only do one type of baptism. And repentance and forgiveness of sins, and people who want to be baptized confess their sins. You are mightier than I. I don't want to baptize you. In Matthew's gospel... Jesus says, but I need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. What are you talking about? You have no sin to confess. So why do you need to be baptized? See, when you begin to understand the reason why, and the whole, you see, Mark makes it really interesting because in Mark, reference to Isaiah forty. And Malachi 3, both texts refer to transgression and forgiveness of transgression or removal of transgression in Isaiah 40. And Malachi 3, who can stand his presence? You need to be refined. They all talk about sin. John comes, and he's baptized sin. So the, 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 the theme continues. Jesus throws the whole thing off. Why does he need to come? Why does he? Well, I know why he's come. Why does he need to be baptized? Not because he's going to confess it, but he's going to take on your sin. Because that's how it's going to work. That's how the transgression is going to be removed. That's how the purification, that's how you're going to be able to stand on the day of his coming. That's how you're going to endure. That's how you're going to do it. That's how the it's really, really, very strange, but the it's not just it's not just the historical facts. It's the reason behind it. And the whole reason behind it screams that Jesus is going to do something because you cannot stand before the presence of God and there needs to be something within you that is to be removed, and you cannot remove it. So Jesus, the first thing he does in his earthly ministry is to do something he does not need to do for himself. But he does it as the first show to identify with us. See, oftentimes people think that the great things of Jesus is the healing of the lame or the blind or the removing of uh, demons. In Mark's Gospel, the first magnificent act of Jesus when he was baptized even though he did not need to be. And he was baptized even though he had no sin. And he had to do it. Because in that, the glory of God would be revealed. Now, this baptism, after this baptism, in verse 9, we come verse 10 and 11. Immediately coming out of the water, he saw heaven's opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. The spirit is very big in Matthew. Baptism of the spirit in verse uh, 8, the descending of the spirit in Jesus in verse, in verse 10. And then in verse 12, you have the spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness. It's really big. We don't have time to talk about that. Okay? You have to go to seminary and learn that. Okay, um, But... The spirit dove comes on him. But I love verse 11. And a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son, and you are I'm well pleased. Now, so why in the world's going on here? Okay, part of it is to fulfill uh, Isaiah 40, verses one to, was it, what was, what were we, 1 to 5, to reveal the glory of God. That through Jesus, you're going to see God in a way that you've never seen him before. And one of the ways you've never seen him before is that he exists in the Trinity. He's one God, he has three persons. It's very clear right here. So that's one way the glory of God is revealed. But there's another way the glory of God is revealed because in Mark 1, verses 9 and 11, it begins to show us what the whole purpose of God is, that you cannot be a believer in Jesus and see the glory of God as some visual thing, you know? Visual, some, some, you know, computer graphics, you know, oh, this is wonderful, you know? Because the glory of God in the Old Testament takes a big leap forward in the New Testament. The glory of God in the Old Testament was always like visual extravaganza. You know, ah, wow, this is great. You know, computer-generated graphics. I've never seen that before. It's wonderful. Glory of God in the New Testament is very different. The question is, why does the Father say after the baptism, you are my beloved Son and you am well-pleased? The answer is very easy. Because in verse 9, Jesus is baptized for baptism. He does not need to do. He identifies with us before he does any miracles. You see, what's interesting is the bookend of the baptism and the cross it is the ultimate theological purpose of Jesus Christ. Everything in between is very, very important, but they must be bookend. Why they did identification the of sin and the cross, and once Jesus begins to make that identification, the Father says, "That's my boy." In American vernacular, "That's my boy." Now, I'll tell you, I don't know when I when I begin the sermon. I got to I got to close You start at ten. Start a little late. This is an Asian church. Start a little. I'll go five more minutes. Asian parents have a distinct way of of uh, praising their children. And many Asian parents, and this crosses Chinese, goes in Japanese, Korean too. They don't want to praise their children too much. They go on the head. Better them hungry and humble, you know. You know, then you you don't want this entitled. Uh, uh, you know, you don't want entitled Asian children. You know, oh oh, you got a D. Oh, how good you are. No 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 no. no. You know, even an A minus. You know, uh, you know, not that good. Even an A. Well, you know, it's okay if you could do it next year too. You know, it's always like there's something that you could always you know, string it together. You know, very short on praise. I've watched Asian parents very short on praise. Yeah, you you got to really bowl them over to the praise. Okay? And so, when they've praised you, so think about it. In your past, when they've praised you, what was it for? Some of you might say they never praised me, which is very possible, because it's within the stand one, two standard deviations of Asian parents. You know, you know, within one standard deviation, they praised you once. You know, within the media they praised you twice. You know, but you know, and, but it's within the the the, the, the 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 experience of the Asian parent. You know when they did praise you well I can tell you probably when you did well in school they probably praised you when you got into the good university they probably praised you if you went to Stanford they might buy your car as an example of their that's my boy driving the cardinal red uh what what what's a big car in korean uh, what's a what's a, what's a status car in the korean culture what is it BMW i was going to say Hyundai but it might not be a uh, you know as as korean you know it's like no 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 that's what that's what you know no it's BMW okay cardinal red BMW with the uh, you know stanford uh you know plate on the back you know or it might be when you um, got you a good job, or maybe when you chose correctly uh, and a spouse that they approved of, they congratulated you. But it's always usually about achievement, and it's a very good thing about the Asian culture because we 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 we, we don't come up expecting much in life. Yeah, You do, you do. It's all about what you do. You know, it's all about what you do. You know? Okay, why does God praise his son and say that's my boy? He didn't heal anybody yet. He didn't cast out any demons yet. That's my boy. Because he identifies with sinners. It's the beginning of what Jesus will do, and that He will die for the sins of the world. That's my boy. How unAsian is it? When I was growing up, if I identified with gang members, that's not my boy. <laughs> It's not my boy. My boy goes to (laughs) Kumon. My boy is on the math team. My boy was in the top two percentile in SAT. My boy, his safe school is Cal Berkeley. That's a safe school. That's dang right, man. That's my boy, man. That's my boy. See, I'm not saying it's bad, man. Both my daughters went to UCLA. Those are my girls. <laughs> Those are my girls. You see, I mean, you know, you, you're like, you know, you, there, there's something about it. I'll tell you one of the most impressive things about one of my son-in-laws. Every so often, he picks up homeless people to bring them to the church they go to. And one day my son-in-law, who's also a UCLA grad, because that's my boy. <laughs> the homeless person said, I need a pair of pants. So he takes them into like the store he was sitting in front. I think it was Urban Outfitters, which means it's going to be overpriced. So like some people can do, they take advantage and they want the most expensive pair. My son-in-law, who was not working then, paid for his pants. That's my boy. you know how long it takes for an Asian person to realize that? He's a UCLA grad. He works in civil engineering. He does well. He's going to get his MBA. But as you grow in Jesus Christ, those are not the things. because the purpose of Jesus was to deal with our sin and to reveal the glory of God and to transform us through the Spirit to change and Jesus not not come to assist you to get a better job he came to change you to be like him that's my boy do you know that about Jesus and I have to come to an end because for the longest time I only knew the historical facts about Jesus and I said the sinner's prayer and I tried to stay out of trouble and I did not understand the bigger picture of why why this Jesus and it was always right there in front of you in front of me. May the glory of God that is found in Christ and his work for us transform us into the depth of our soul. Allow me to pray, and I think there's a song, then I pray at the end. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, in all things I ask a blessing upon these, your people, that they may grow in grace in you. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.